0: You're listening to a message from Heritage Christian Fellowship in San Clemente, California. For more information, go to heritagesc.org. All right, I'm on, on for Jesus. How are you all this morning? morning. Everyone awake and alive? <laughs> Beautiful worship this morning. We so appreciate uh, our worship team, they're doing a great job. I've asked them to come up back at the end of this uh, time and just help us to end what the Lord wants to do here today. Um, our pastor, Peter, is, has gone into uh, another nation following the call of God in that area for now. And so he's asked me to be with you this morning. And he spoke on prayer last week. And he asked me to continue that theme a bit. Um, He started with uh, James, or at least he did cover James chapter 5, where it says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them. And anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray. For each other. That's my teacher in me. I'm waiting for my response. (laughs) So that you may be healed. For the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So it goes on to talk about Elisha, which he talked about, and how that he prayed. He, He prayed his secret sauce. In that verse, Elijah was a human being, and even as we are, he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain. And on the land for three and a half years, and then again he prayed. And the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. What was Elijah's secret sauce? He prayed, yeah. And then he prayed again. So I want to to talk a little bit today about what keeps us from praying I don't know about you but I I, I, we all have a different story I grew up in the church and I so I always had a strong sense of God of course I got to know him better and more personally as I grew up but one thing that I had difficulty with is I did not have a regular prayer life how many of you ever heard when you wake up in the morning you're supposed to take time with Jesus before you do anything else and if you're not doing that, you can kind of get a kind of a religious sense of condemnation. Uh, you, might, you might like to pray in the evening, but you feel pressured. I have be, should be starting in the morning to pray. The Wesley brothers who, who made a great mark in history in soul winning. Uh, their mother, one of six kids, and, and their mother with six children She was not able just to spend time with Jesus every morning. So she's fixing breakfast for six kids and getting them off to school. So she would lift up her apron over her head in the kitchen. And all the kids knew, oh, mom's praying. Don't bother her right now. (laughs) We kind of get ourselves sometimes in a little box. And we feel bound in. if we don't do it the way religious minds, our minds tell us is the way we're supposed to do it we just maybe don't do it because we feel like if I can't do it that way I can't do it at all how can I do it at all I'm sorry did I need to dismiss the children we did? there I did okay I'm sorry <laughs> I'm so glad to see some young people in here <laughs> so so what happens I think a lot of times when we 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 feel like we're not up for the task the the scriptures say the prayer of the righteous man accomplishes much and so we think well am i righteous enough i'm praying so how come what i'm praying isn't happening that word righteous my friend susan she says you know i was raised um reformed jewish so when i came into the church i didn't know what all these terms were and you know i said you righteous just means that we believe in jesus and we know that his blood, right, has cleansed us from all sin. So, if we, but what happens is when we pray, or we haven't prayed in a long time, that you haven't prayed, we hear these, you don't, how's God's going to hear your prayer? You don't pray all the time. You're not a righteous person. You're not a good person. are And the enemy just bombards us with all these things, and finally we just give up and say, I'm sorry God. Thank you for loving me and saving me and we just move on. We we don't go through the process of learning how to pray. It's a process. And the first thing is to re- recognize that his shed blood cleanses us from all sin. So when we sin, we have a hard time praying also. We're struggling with something in our lives. And so we think, I can't pray because I can't get over this sin or or, I'm struggling with this or I don't want to get over this sin. (laughs) And until we deal with that sin in our lives, it, it binds us and holds us back and makes us feel like we can't come to God because we have imperfection in our life, because we have sin. How many of you has never sinned before? look around the room it's covered with people raising their hands one brother giving us a good shout of I have it (laughs) so we all know that we all make mistakes we all do things wrong there's a lot of different ways to describe sin but basically, if sin is keeping you from coming to God, that's, if something is keeping you, whatever that something is, that's sin. Because it's a blockage, and that keeps you from coming with a pure heart and feeling like God loves me. I can come freely. I can, you know, we, can, I, we can trust our Father. When we come to Him and say, I'm sorry, I did it again, <laughs> He says, I forgive you. And he continues to work with us until we get victory, maybe in an area of our lives. But he never says, don't come to me. We can always go to Jesus. We can always go to the Father. The Holy Spirit bears witness to us that we are the sons of God. And so if you have something in your life, don't let it stand between you and God. Just get rid of it. Just confess, God, I don't know how to change, but I know that I've tried to change. So I'm just going to ask you, would you change me? Would you help me to know how to break through this? And we have to do that almost every day. You're right. So we, we want to stay, is that, you know, I, I remember when I was in college and I just started, I was witnessed to by someone in Campus Crusade for Christ and, and I prayed that prayer to ask Jesus in my heart, even though I believed in the Lord, I prayed that prayer at the back of that little Four Spiritual Laws booklet and I asked Jesus into my heart and, and they said, have you ever prayed a prayer like this? And I said, well, yeah, I have. But there was one part that but I said, but I don't think I've ever thanked him. At the end of that prayer, it said, Now thank Him that He's come into your heart and into your life. And when we thank someone for something, it's because we understand they have done something for us and we are appreciative. So when we ask God to forgive us of our sins, we thank Him for doing that. That is our act of faith. So I'm getting mentored a little bit and taught how to be a witness and how to live for Jesus in college and a bunch of us go on spring break including me (laughs) and um, I had a conviction in my heart that the Lord wanted me to wear a more conservative bathing suit maybe I'll put it that way Now, I'm not telling you what kind of bathing suit you should wear or not. I'm telling you, I had a sense in my heart and my spirit that the Lord wanted me to not wear the bathing suit I had. But I'm a poor college student. I don't have the money to buy another bathing suit. So I just, what we did, wore big old football jersey over my bathing suit. And I'm out on the beach having fun in Florida. And someone comes down the beach And he's in in dress pants and a tie, no less, and he's taking pictures. And he asked if we could just take a group picture of all of us. And there was all my friends in their bathing suits, and I'm in a football (laughs) T-shirt. And he said, do you mind taking your football shirt off? (laughs) And I did for the picture, and I put it right back on. And you know what happened? Huge condemnation came on my heart and my life. And I felt I had so disappointed the Lord. And I, I felt so ashamed. And that's what the enemy, he tries to make us feel so much guilt or so much shame when we do something wrong that it makes it uncomfortable for us to go to him. You know, you, you, you ask a child... Uh, my little niece, she, her mother knows she's in there in the bathroom. She's squirting the toothpaste out and eating the, she's three years old, eating the toothpaste. She goes in there. She's sitting up on the counter. Are you eating that toothpaste? I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> We're afraid to confess. Why? Because the enemy knows if we confess, we become cleansed. We become free. And he doesn't want that. So he builds these patterns of thinking and these patterns of reaction to when we do wrong. And we have to unlearn those patterns. The way we do that is going to the Lord. And he teaches us as we pray, as we come into his presence, how much he delights even when we're wrong. How many of you think she did not love her daughter because she was eating the toothpaste? But we... we, we We mar the picture of God and who He is when we see Him him, as anything other than a Father that is ready and willing to take care of everything, including our sin. So we don't want prayerlessness to be because we feel we're imperfect or not righteous, that is, pure because of the blood of Jesus. I went to church that Sunday when I returned from that trip. And at the end of the service, I ran to the altar. Boo-hoo and bawling my eyes out. <laughs> I'm so sorry, God. What if he was a, somebody with pornography and like ends up in a magazine somewhere? And it, just the, the horror of, of the fear that the enemy was trying to put on me. How many of you have experienced fear of something you did having a really bad... <laughs> Outcome. And the first time I heard God's voice, it was almost audible. He said, 1 John 1, 9. I didn't even know where 1 John was in my Bible. I had to go get it, look in the table of contents, and find out where it was. And it said, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just To forgive us of all. How many? How many? All of our sins. And at that moment, because I heard God's voice in prayer, I was set free from the lies and the condemnation. Don't wait till you get it fixed. Go to God first. (laughs) That way, he can right all wrongs. And there'll be nothing to keep you from enjoying your heavenly father. That same verse says, it talks about the prayer of faith. If you're sick, if you're sick, let the elders pray. It says, and the prayer offered in faith... Will make the sick person well and the Lord will raise them up. Now, I'm a missionary and I, for 35 years, I did services and I had altar calls and I prayed for people. And sometimes I would see God move and sometimes when I prayed, I would see nothing. Does that mean we quit praying? No. We pray and we keep on praying. So he can teach us the art of prayer. The, the, the How to operate under the anointing of prayer. How to come to the Father and how to talk to him. But I just had kind of reached my limit. Can I come down here? Is that all right? Will, will this mic still work? I reached my limit. I did fasting and praying for, at that time, that week. I had 30 days. I only had water. That's all I had. I was just so tired of praying and not seeing answers. And I said, God, there, I, how can I get this? <laughs> you, 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 you have, I didn't want to teach people to come forward and pray. Uh, we'd pray for them to be healed, or they would come and seek healing, or I would seek healing, and then they weren't healed. I said, it's like I'm trained, teaching them, come, pray. We'll anoint you, and then go sit down, still sick. Do you understand the, the torment that was in as a missionary in my heart? I said, I don't want to teach a religious process. I want to know how to pray. In fact, I, I was speaking in a church. It was a little cotton-packed church in the, in the cotton, cotton fields of Louisiana. And I, I asked them, would you, um, they said, uh, we're going to have an altar call. And so we asked people to come forward for prayer uh, after I spoke. And I just step back to let the elders pray because I'm in this dilemma. I'm struggling in my head about prayer. Can, you under- can anybody here relate to that? And, and so I'm saying, God, I don't want to have them come and not receive. I'm not saying I never saw people receive something. But I'm just under- trying to understand prayer. I wanted to understand the Father. I wanted to understand what it really means. And, and so I just kind of stepped back because I didn't want to participate in that religious, if you will, activity. It's a scriptural activity. It's spoken of in the word of God. We should do it. But I didn't want to follow it religiously. I wanted to follow it because I had revelation in my heart and in my soul that this is the right thing to do, the right way to walk, and the right way to pray. And I wanted that affirmation in my heart and in my life, whether something happened or not. I wanted to know I was doing the right thing and doing it the right way. Can anyone relate? So the pastor says, in those days, this is the old days, back in the day, Sister Donna, (laughs) we want you to come. We pray for everybody all the time. Would you come and pray? And I'm like, oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. Because I have this dilemma in my heart and soul. And I went up to this first gentleman that was standing there. He was a grandfather. He was tall. (laughs) And he had a band on his arm. And he was about to have surgery that week. Like carpal's tunnel or something like that. And I didn't know Elvira at the time (laughs) to help him. (laughs) So I said, okay, Lord. I'm going to pray. So he's holding his hands like this, and I said, "Tell me what's wrong with you." And he told me. And so I said, I just put my hand gently here on his wrist, and I prayed. And I said, "God, here's your son. He needs your touch. He needs your healing." And nothing happened. <laughs> but while I was praying for him, the Holy Spirit then asked me a question. And he said, Donna, how would you know if I healed him? How would you even know? And I'm like, I'm here praying, God. Excuse me, I can't have a conversation with God when you're trying to do something he instructed you to do. I mean, you know, God speaks whenever he wants to speak. (laughs) And I said, I don't know how I would know, except I'd have to ask him. And it was like, well... (laughs) So I asked him, can you feel any difference? He, nope. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Would you stay here? I'm going to go pray for someone. I'm going to come back and pray for you. And I go down the line and prayed for different people. And there were two little ladies at the end of this, at the end of the row, and uh, of the line of people there. And I walked, walked up to the first one, and I said, what well, can I pray for you? And she'd been sitting in the, in the pew, And he had, even, I could see that that was her, she did tweak, she had a pillow in the pew, and that was her little seat, sister, whoever she was. (laughs) And she said, my back is in a lot of pain, and I can't, I'm just so very uncomfortable, I can hardly sit in church anymore. And so I said, okay, but now I know God's trying to tell me something, and I'm getting it, I'm wanting to get it, but I still don't know what he's saying. And I I said, do you mind if I put my hand on the small of your back? And I did. And I prayed, and the Holy Spirit asked me the same question How would you know if she was healed? If I healed her? So I'm, I, I get it. Okay, God, I'm just going to ask her. And I asked her, I said, Can you do something? Don't hurt yourself. And don't try to just do it for me, but just check and see if there's any change at all. And she's, she's like there, and she starts moving. And then she starts moving. And then she starts touching her toes. And she's healed. I'm like, do I get it yet, Lord? <laughs> the next lady in line. Now, people are starting to come up in line again now. And <laughs> I go to the next lady. She's got her arm in a sling, her right arm in a sling. And I did the same thing. Is it okay if I pray for you? I prayed. And then I asked her, can you just check and just see if it's okay? And she's, I said, but don't hurt yourself. Don't Don't do something you shouldn't do. So she just checked it, and the next thing you know, she's doing her arm like this, out of the little sling. No more pain, no more problem. Well, praise God. Yeah, thank God. <laughs> he is the healer, isn't he? We're not. But we pray. We operate. We do, the, we do what God has put in our hand to do. And we trust the Father. He's the healer. But we pray. So, if we are one of the righteous ones, then our prayers, the Bible says, are powerful and effective. But, but we pray as though they're not. <laughs> do we have in our mind, God, I believe you're going to heal this lady. I believe you're going to do this. I believe you're going to do that. Or are we trying to think of, what am I going to say to them when they're not healed? How do I explain it? How to make it okay so they can go back not healed? We, we get so much more concerned about what our response is or how, how we handle things <laughs> that we've, we're not focused even on God just healing. <laughs> so I would posit for you today that prayer is something that we learn, it's a process of learning. But if we do not do it, how many of you know? First time you get in the car, you don't know how to drive it. Amen? Amen? And you're a little nervous and you do some little things wrong and you turn way too much on the wheel, or I'm, I'm teaching, <laughs> I'm teaching someone to Debbie's granddaughter to drive right now. I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so it's a process. Prayer is a process, but it's a joyous process. We can't, but we make it so heavy. There are books and books and books and books written on prayer. And, and you probably have one or two or maybe more. I just gave away my library, except for my biblical Bible, Bible, Bible books. 600 books. Probably about 50 of them on prayer. We try to learn in our heads. We, 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 we want to pray. But I, I I would really just say to you today, if you want to learn to pray, just pray. Go to the Father. Whatever time, whatever way, whatever moment, pull the apron over your head in the kitchen so the kids know, don't bug me for the next 10 minutes, or whatever it takes. You find a moment with God in every day, whenever that is. Start there, and I guarantee you that will grow. That will grow. Don't be under condemnation or thinking you haven't done it right. So why start now? Or you, we, I am. I am right now learning more about prayer than I have in my entire life, and I just turned sixty-nine years old last week. I'll be seventy next week, next year. <laughs> Oops, lost a year there. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the kinds of prayer there. Are Today I want to just label two kinds of prayer. One is personal prayer and one is corporate prayer. A lot of times personal prayer is just about ourselves. Jesus said whenever two or three are gathered in my name, I am? I'm there. I'm in the midst of them. That means I'm right smack in the middle. That means we are here together and as we worship and pray, Jesus is in the room. God is in the room. The Holy Spirit is ready to move. And so we pray. And we take prayer. uh, We we, we need to take prayer beyond our own needs. Of course, you know that. And pray for other people. Um, My friend and I were in a restaurant yesterday. day before yesterday. And there was no one else in the restaurant except for the two of us. And this little gal that was working, she was just so joyful and so helpful. and But my heart just was drawn to her. And Susan, now, what is your name? She asked her. What is your name, my friend, Susan? And I looked up on the phone what her name meant and told her what her name meant. And then I asked her, is there one thing that I can pray for you? And she, she has her bucket with her mop in it. And she's looking she said excuse me is there one one what one thing that I can pray for you and she kind of stood back I could see she was thinking and she said well there's way more than one (laughs) and I said well tell me one just tell me one and she said my brother just had a double lung transplant he's been working in a factory and it Ruined his lungs and he's had a hard year. And we lost our father and da da da. So, but she wasn't feeling sorry for herself. So I said, Do you mind if I just pray for you right now? Can I, I mean, nobody's here. Is it okay if you just stop a few minutes and I pray with you? So we prayed with her. And I just prayed in that prayer a way for her to come close to Jesus you know, just leading her into relationship with Jesus, and we finished the prayer, and she had these tears, and her eyes were all red and teared up. Prayer is so easy. It's so easy. It's so easy, and if we just take a moment, the next day, we asked another waitress the same thing, and yeah, So that was day before yesterday. And yesterday, we asked the waitress the same thing, and she was a little bit busier and everything. So I said, Can you just tell me one thing that I can pray for you? And I, but I didn't pray with her then. I said, Okay, I'm going to pray that for you uh, la- later. So, so she was like, Wow, yeah. And then just, I, I, and I've done this for years, and I have one time a driver, a taxi driver, told me no because he was a teacher in the mosque, he was a youth teacher of the youth in the mosque. And I'd always sit in the front seat because they didn't like that, but I did because air conditioning is better in hot Indonesia. But after talking to him and, and after a while, then he said, okay, you can pray for me. You can pray for my son. And I was able to pray for him, for his son. We don't have to know what the outcome is going to be of our prayers. We just need to pray. We just need to pray. I use that. How many of you ever heard of that saying? The kiss theory. <laughs> Keep it simple, saints. <laughs> Keep it simple. And be earnest. Be be real. God, I'm telling you, I'm struggling with something. Or the Lord says, go and talk to that person. And he says, like, I don't know that person. <laughs> I've had God do that to me before, but when I obeyed him, wow, wow. So if you're willing to let God get you out of yourself, we can let God get us out of ourselves, and that's a daily choice. I don't do it right every time, but I'm so blessed when I do because God does something. And I would have missed that, being a part of that, if I hadn't responded. Learn the voice of God. Have your ear tuned all the time to hear him. It says in Acts. Well, let me let me step back a little bit. When when we have that personal prayer, we're going to be benefited in our own personal life. I remember when I was trying. It took me five and a half a half hours to get up this mountain. I may have already told you this story, in Indonesia to get to this village. There hadn't been any missionary to the since the nineteen forties. And I walked up this mountain for five and a half hours in the rain. Mud, my feet sinking almost to my knees. And I had to pull my leg out. It was a challenge. (laughs) And there was a point where they kept saying, it's close, it's close. I'm like, it is not. (laughs) Because we go another half an hour and we weren't there yet. Finally, I said, God, you're going to have to, please, would you just wake up somebody to pray for me because I can't go in. I was literally trembling. I can't go any further. i go from here to the door and I'd have to stop because it was uphill. And suddenly, I said, I know it's nighttime, but please find somebody to be willing just to wake up and pray for that missionary Donna Brown. (laughs) And suddenly, about... Ten minutes later, this energy comes into me. And I start running up the hill like this. And this little kid who's, you know, stand up. (laughs) So he's like here on one side and I got a staff in my other hand. And he's like dragging me up the hill. (laughs) And suddenly I'm just walking and he's like this behind me saying, Evil, which means mother. What happened? (laughs) Thank you. I said, Somebody's praying. Let's hurry up before they stop praying. (laughs) God answers prayer. You don't have to know the actual outcome all the time. Because the word promises you that the prayer of the righteous one, that's one who's washed in the blood of Jesus, is effective and powerful. So if you prayed it, it's effective and it's powerful. Amen? Amen? Amen. 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 (laughs) So I want to talk to you a little bit about corporate prayer because I think we have kind of lost the art of corporate prayer. We pray in our own. We may pray with friends, two or three But do we pray with the body of Christ? Jesus instructed us to pray. Whenever two or more of you gather in my name, there I am with them. In Acts, what happened when the church prayed? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, and prayer. And everyone was was awed. By the wonders and the signs that were performed. Why? Because they listened to what the apostles said. Because they ate bread together. Like we're going to do after church. Please don't leave. Or because they prayed. Miracles, signs and wonders. The believers were gathered together and Peter's in jail. They're praying for Peter and they're asking God, help him, help him. I don't know what they were praying, but they were asking God to intervene. And the little servant girl goes to the door. She hears somebody knock. It's Peter! Slam the door. He's here. (laughs) They didn't even believe it. Sometimes we don't even believe that God can do what we're praying. But he does it anyway. Why? Because we're righteous ones. And our prayers are powerful. And our prayers are effective. Are you a righteous one? Are you a righteous one? Are your prayers effective? Are they powerful? Yes. So when we don't see God immediately do just what we're asking him to, you keep praying. (laughs) We keep pressing. We prayed and prayed and prayed for Mike, but then we got really serious and called everybody together, and that's corporate prayer. And when we did, the next morning, he gets off the ventilator, I believe. Is that right, Mike? When they just told Tammy, you need to get your affairs in order. It doesn't look like he's going to make it. What happened? The church corporately prayed. I want to challenge us here today to start thinking a little bit more about the meaning of corporate prayer. What happens when we pray as a corporate body? In Judges, they fasted. The people of God fasted and prayed. And then they asked God what they should do. And he said, go for I will give you victory. Esther called the Jews, that was her people at that time, to fast and to pray. And when they did, God turned the whole planned situation there around. And he saved the Jewish people from the hands of the enemy. They did not know what the outcome would be. They just know they should fast and pray, and they did it. R.A. Torrey said, a man known for prayer, he's, he's, he's a man that wrote many books on prayer, R.A. Torrey. Many of the most blessed seasons of prayer I have ever known have begun with the feeling of utter deadness and prayerlessness. The most blessed seasons were when he began in deadness and prayerlessness. But in my helplessness and coldness, I have cast myself upon God and looked to him to send Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit, to teach me to pray. And he has done it. That's what we can look forward to. Today, if we will cast ourselves upon the Lord and say, please teach us to pray as a church body, you're going to learn individually and you're going to learn the power of prayer in the church body. Chechen children pray. This was in the 1700s. The Catholics and the Protestants were in conflict. The children, before they would go to school, would gather in a, in a field area of this little bitty kingdom, and they would—the boys would be in a circle, and behind them were the girls. Elementary age kids, first to, to 13 years old, and they would pray. They would read a psalm. They sing a song. They would pray. They would. Re- and God, you know, it's, it's a handful. Then it's, ne- they got as big as 300. Then the parents, one, one parent locked her, his son in the room. But he, then he realized he's trying to climb out the window. <laughs> he was going to go pray. So he went in there real quick. He said, okay, you can go pray. So he started, and other parents started going. And they did a circle around the outside of those children. And as they saw them pray, their hearts were broken. And 40,000 people came to know Jesus. Because children got tired of their parents bickering. (laughs) And they decided to pray. They didn't, nobody led them. They didn't know what they were doing. God was in it though. There was a man, he was a lay missionary, Jeremiah Lamphere. In late 1800s, early 1900s, it went on into. He was a merchant. He became a lay missionary in New York City of all places. And he thought, maybe I could just gather businessmen together during the lunch hour and, and we'll pray. So he, he starts going out and giving little bulletins. And he, the first day is there and, there and he's sitting there and he's sitting there and he's sitting there and nobody's there. Finally, he hears somebody walking up the steps. And there were six people that came. Then it was 20 the next lunch hour, all businessmen. The next, next one, it was 40 And it grew to such a movement, they had to find another place. It was a 1,000. And over the period of time, other cities heard about it in that country. And they started as a little country on the west side of Poland, a little kingdom. And other cities started having men's lunch prayer time. And ultimately, the bottom line of that story, over 1 million people came to Jesus out of that one man that chose to pray. So today, I want to ask you if you would think about corporate prayer. I believe we have a fairly mature body of Christ here, and I'm certain that most, if not all of you, are praying. But I talked to our pastor elder, lead elder, the past week or two, and he said, I feel like we've lost that corporate, the power of corporate prayer. And I said, I agree. The Lord spoke to my heart over a year ago to start coming inside this sanctuary once a week and praying. I've been doing that for one year. And he asked me to commit to three years of prayer. So once a week I come. And he said, Donna, don't come with an agenda. Don't come with a prayer list. Come and worship me until my presence comes. And then you will know what to pray. And that's what I do. Sometimes I just walk up and down these seats. I've touched every one of them that you're sitting in many more times than once. And sometimes I'll just stop on a seat. And I say, God, pour out your spirit on the one that sits here. And I'll pray for that person. I just let God lead. So I've been talking with pastor. He said the elders are talking. And about a corporate prayer. A time maybe. I don't know what it will end up being. They're still thinking about it. Once a month. Once a quarter. Whatever it is. It's all coming together as a corporate unit. Like we did when we had a need in our body. But let's don't wait till we have a need. Where is the next move of God in this church? Every move of God has been birthed in prayer. If we want to be a part of the next move of God, we're going to pray, and we're going to pray together. I'll probably move my prayer time. We're talking about it from Thursdays to Fridays. Late afternoon, maybe 4 o'clock. Be here a year and a half, a year and a half, an hour and a half. <laughs> let people come in, not have an agenda. I'm not going to tell you what to pray. I'm just going to keep doing what I do. And we just eat one, pray something. We can all start joining. Yes, Lord. And, and we just let the Holy Spirit lead us in prayer, kind of like we do at this pre-service prayer. If you haven't been, come at 915. And see what corporate prayer is beginning to look like here at Heritage Saint Clemente. It's growing. Who wants to be a part? Who wants to be one of those six businessmen? Who wants to be? like those children, that you're just compelled. And even if somebody says, no, you can't do that, you're too busy, you Take it. you just, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go. And you might come and be here 15 minutes, but I'm going to go. <laughs> I want you to ask Jesus, what do you want me to do? How can I be a part, not only in my own prayer life, but how can I be a part of this body of believers? What can I pray? What powerful and effective prayer can I pray? I'm going to ask Lon, one of our elders, and Mike, as well as our worship team, just to come forward. I'm going to tell you that, and I think you probably most of you know it already. If you don't know Jesus, come on up, brothers. If you don't know Jesus... If Because there's, there's that, that little bit of sin in your life and you just haven't let go of it. I want to ask you if you'll be bold enough before this service is out to find one of these elders, myself, one of our leaders and say, I'd like to have Jesus in my life so that I, this is out of the way and I could pray. I want to feel free to go to the Father. I want to feel free to talk to God. I don't want to feel guilty or not good enough. If you'll find one of us, our prayer team, our elders will come up here, and, and you can pray. They'll pray with you. But for the rest of us, I'm going to ask you to stand up, and I'm going to ask you to ask God. When I was a missionary on the field, a lady said, "Would you come and help us open this college and university?" I said, "Oh no, I'm a missionary." And she'd asked me three or four times finally. She said, well, "Will you just pray about it?" <laughs> Well, I'm a spiritual person, so I'm not going to tell her no. <laughs> Lo and behold, I didn't get the first ten words out of my mouth. And the Lord said, I want you to do that. And he worked it out for me to do that. Sometimes we don't know what God's going to ask of us in prayer. That's the good part about it. That's fun. the that's fun part about it. <laughs> because when he reveals to us the heart of the Father, that's not our heart. Our mind's right. We don't think the way he thinks right and so he has to impart to us that revelation that knowledge I'm going to ask um, Elder Lon to read a scripture and I, I would like to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes and put yourself into this scripture and then I'm going to ask prayer sometimes is warfare I'm asking Rob our drummer today to begin to beat the drums and we're going we're gonna to pray and do battle for the move of God, the next move of God. Say it with me. The next move of God, the next move of God, the next move of God. We're going to do battle for it, and it begins today. Would you be a part of that? Thank you for listening. We hope you tune in next week. For more information, go to heritagesc.org.